Hello and welcome back to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation. On this episode, we sat down with Nick Dubois, chairman of the Events Industry Board, to discuss how events are represented in government policy and what the future holds. We are out there leading uh, the presentation of some of the key industries that this government wants to promote. And yet, we've never had a voice at the policy table. Jake and Nathan are back for another round of venue talk, bringing you some of the latest venues. What, what were you actually expecting? I, you, I mean, I was legitimately expecting monkey butlers about. on an island. Yeah, it's very, very Carl Pilkington of you, mate. But first, does security need to be a bigger priority in events? Are event apps rubbish? All that and more as I hand over to the team for the News Digest. Evening, Charlotte. Evening, Sam. Good, Good evening. evening. Charlotte, you've been at a few events the last couple of weeks. I think you were at Evcom. Your team were at IMEX. How were they? Yep. Um, I've had some um, interesting feedback about IMEX. Uh, one of our um, key team players went to IMEX, Olivia. Um, she said it was well run. She actually, to be fair to her, she hadn't been before. Um, but she said it was well run. And what was very interesting is that she, since she's got back, having been there, the response from people has been a lot faster due to the people that she's actually met since she's been there, where she's tried to get hold of people previously and she hasn't actually met them. The response rate has been a lot quicker. So that's been a really, really positive thing for her. Um, the question, I suppose, remains that if you're looking for really big venues and um, you don't know the marketplace that well, um, that IMEX is any IBTM are great places to, to gain that level of intel because um, it's quite bamboozling with big stands, with countries and big um, hotel chains. But, you know, potentially is it sort of slightly lacking on the smaller, more boutique, more unique um, locations, um, which is what we're sort of after quite a lot of the time. So, you an IMAX fan, Sam? Um, of course. Anywhere where the industry can meet and be educated, I think, is a big plus. I think um, I'm similar agreement with Charlotte that I think IMEX is one of those shows that is really trying to uh, revolutionise itself um, in light of the market. I think people have got to realise the reasons why buyers are going and the quality and the level of those those buyers but I think having a show like that and seeing the changes and the response to what the buyers need is, is really important so yeah I'm, I'm pro the show. Great and Evcom, how is Evcom? Great. Um, uh, I was lucky enough to be a panel, dis- uh, po- uh, part of a panel, um, which was discussion, which was great um, with some other really interesting people. Um, there's been some feedback to suggest that maybe the content in the future might be relooked at. Um, it's only really agencies that are primarily there. So perhaps it might be interesting to diversify a little more and open it up um, to or get more people across the industry to, to go to to discuss um, further topics. The brands um, and the corporates. Yeah, and... exactly. I mean, there were, there were you know, a handful of corporates, um, but mainly it was agencies. Um, and also how to increase the level of engagement. I was just rather than just be um, a forum for plen- plenary discussions throughout the course of the day. Um, I think there was one breakout and that was it. So... Um, what were the hot topics? Um, it was largely all about creativity um, and the fact that, and you know... Um, uh, Peter Bazalgett was fantastic actually it was all about the fact that um, creativity is the superpower these days which stands in good stead for our industry because we can't be replaced by AI We, uh, you can't manufacture um, 
ideas through mechanics um, currently. So um, that was quite interesting. The content I thought was was quite interesting in that area. Good. So in the news, let's start with this thing. We saw there was a, there was a piece in Meat Pie about security at venues particularly. We've had another awful shooting in Belgium. We're a year on from the Manchester attacks. This article suggested that venues and the industry generally, I suppose, wasn't geared up well enough for, um, for well, on a security level, spoke particularly about terrorism, but um, so many elements to security. W- w- would you agree? From a venue perspective, I'm going to defend um, this article. I think that there is a challenge with event professionals and planners in terms of the priority that security is actually having. Um, having worked in and now working with a cross-section of venues in a cross-section of different areas of the country, I would say that venues are now leading the way and demonstrating best practice in terms of security. If you look at some of the venues that are on our portfolio, Um, we've recently done a a piece of research with the corporate event planners uh, for some training that Sequoia is doing. And actually, I was really surprised and quite shocked at how far down security is in terms of the venue finding priority for the corporate event planner. So um, Steve from Right Angle Events absolutely uh, is correct in terms of the industry seems to have forgotten what's happened from, I believe, more of a planner perspective and priority rather than a venue. I mean, I guess so, so many things to plan with an event, and that's what, that's kind of what Steve Steve's getting at. There's just this this security element doesn't seem to be high enough on the on the agenda. I think um, from the sort of planning perspective, I think for a lot of um, agencies, everybody's so heavily bogged down in the actual delivery that perhaps um, security, health and safety, um, all those elements, perhaps those policies haven't been pulled together effectively enough, certainly for a lot of smaller agencies, because bigger agencies, you absolutely have to abide by um, risk assessing absolutely everything, um, because the fallout um, and the uh, the mitigation of those circumstances becomes so great due to the size of the client if something goes wrong. Um, but um, I think there's there's a definite room for training in this area, um, to uh, for, for smaller teams to actually understand how to operate under those circumstances and how to really look at that. Um, uh, exhibition companies, I think, are very, very strong in this area because they have to deal with large, significant numbers of, of, of people. Um, we've worked with DMG, you know, and we've had to jump through a number of different hoops. But, um, you know, outside of that, I think everyone's still floundering a little bit. And it's... I think there's a big question in the industry of whose responsibility is, depending on the type and size of the event, is it the venue's responsibility? Is it the planner's responsibility? Because there is a cost Mm -hmm. implication attached to this. Is it the CVB when you're talking about a citywide event? And I think there needs to be a lot more discussion at planning stage and a lot more conversations to be had uh, to address this because otherwise we are going to end up with you know, other disasters. And we have to remember, this is not just about terrorism. I think, you know, the media does a really great job of terrifying the world around terrorism, but it's still extraordinarily rare to get caught up in a terrorist incident. But security, in terms of all the other issues that we see and we face, mm-hmm. is, is something that's uh, needs to be to- higher up the agenda, definitely, for, for venues and for planners. Absolutely. And we've had a couple, you know, we've had scenarios where we've produced um, a big corporate festival 
in a field um, in the Cotswolds and word has got out that the festival's taking place and we've had people trying to gate crash and we've had, you know, security trying to manage that issue and deck chairs being stolen and those types of things which are very much event-based security issues, not terrorist or terrorism issues. Do your clients, Charlotte, ask you what are you doing about security when they when, when they come to you? They are asking us and we deliver a risk assessment um, plan for absolutely every event that we do. So it's not just surrounding security. It's it, Security is part and embedded within um, a full assessment. And it may well be that there's weather in there as well. Um, <clears throat> there's a whole number of different factors that are involved in that risk assessment. So it is very, very much something we are now very hot on. But we've it's been a massive learning curve for us over the last you know, five to ten years to, to actually sort of adapt those um, policies. Yeah, a crazy world we live in. So um, important that we're talking about it. Something in um, in conference news I wanted to, to touch on. This was about aggregated platforms, whether they will revolutionise corporate events. We're certainly seeing more of them. Will they? Well, um, my view a little slightly is that um, it, it sort of throws the responsibility back at the corporate planner and the um, and, and the planner perhaps that doesn't know how to make the choice um, and how is the um, filtering process being done to offer the right information and the and the right suppliers um, you know is there a way in which there could be a grading system and a, and a review system for the, on these aggregated platforms that actually means that somebody who's choosing to work with a venue or a, or a caterer or whatever can see actually the reviews of, of someone who's used that supplier previously? You're still filtering through a huge amount of information rather than just typing into Google or whatever to try and find your supplier. You're still taking quite a big leap of faith. Mm. So this one was about this one was called Feast It, which um, helps you find caterers. Obviously, you've got lights of higher space for venues. Sam, you work closely with with venues. Do you agree with agree with Charlotte? I think I think there's so much noise out there. I think that we can't. I think we need aggregator platforms. I think it's really important, but they've got to be right. Um, I get frustrated with some of the the pieces of technology that are in our industry because it's all based around money and who's got the most cash and who can have the most resource to update their sites. And actually, I'm hoping that technology, and Ed, you'll probably be able to talk more about this, I'm hoping that technology will be able to shift that because actually there are some really small venues, small suppliers in the industry that are doing a fantastic job for clients who would be absolutely perfect for, for events that Charlotte's team are running but you're never going to see them. You're never going to find them because they're not ever at the top of the platforms. So I think, you know, this is where um, the lake likes of AI could come in to revolutionise what we're doing. But we do need it, you know, with, um, you know, 25,000 venues listed on certain venue finding websites. You know, this is how do you get through that? You're wading through mud. So, yes, we need the good ones and we need to use technology to make them better. Yeah, I think technology is incredibly in, important. We need to make sure that the information on all of these on these platforms is completely up to date. Not easy for venues with so so much information about them online. And as you say, it's about technology. It's about machine learning and artificial intelligence, and creating aggregators that will will ensure that the information on them is completely up to date. Uh, and that's going to benefit all of the venues that are or, or, or the suppliers uh, that are on that platform. 
Um, so lots to do, but I know for a fact that there is some incredible groundworking, groundbreaking, sorry, work going into this uh, field at the moment. Um, so uh, I, I yeah, personally, perhaps unsurprisingly, no doubt that that we will get there uh, with that. I think so. Um, pick up very quickly on something in exhibition news. Our slightly provocative title of this: Our event apps rubbish. Um, I don't think they they are. <laughs> I think there's uh, yeah there's some there's some brilliant ones out there. I just thought I'd, I'd mention it and ask you guys uh, just whether you had seen any brilliant examples of event engagement apps recently to uh, to counter this. Oh, I suppose the question is. You know, are we just pushing technology for technology's sake um, at our client base because everybody feels that now they should be using them? And how do we get our um, delegates at an event to engage with each other? And hence, um, so appears the event app. Um, I went to um, Cvent Europe last year um, and... It's the one example that I can give where I thought the app did work well. Um, and quite frankly, if it didn't work well, then C-Event would be in a lot of trouble. Um, but um, they had a very good, um, it was very, very user friendly, but also they had a messaging ability that you could see every single delegate that was at that that conference and you could message them internally and therefore you could arrange to meet people in various parts of the hotel. Um, if you'd been, <clears throat> if you'd, knew of somebody and then you saw them crop up on 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 the on the event app you could actually have a conversation them which with them which was which was great and actually you can continue to message them in a, in a messaging kind of capacity even after the event which was fantastic so um i thought that was quite useful but generally speaking there's quite a lot of um fintech companies that are trying to produce you know more innovative solutions and um it can all be quite tricky, really, and make things even more complicated sometimes. So important, though, right? Events all about engagement. Yeah. I'm allergic to event apps, <laughs> I think. Um, for that specific reason, I will always bring it back on these news digests around meeting architecture, understanding your delegates and what the value proposition of the event is going to be. And I think a lot of people overlook this entirely when it comes to, well, it's only going to cost a couple of grand for an event app and isn't that going to be great and we can share that. It's all about engagement. So why are we all on our phones on an event app? We all know a delegate is, you know, the majority of delegates we know will not be looking at this event app until they arrive at the hotel a couple of hours before the convention, the congress or the conference starts. So how do we do things better in terms of, you know, making this technology more immersive and more responsive to the type of apps that we're using? So, you know, everybody's WhatsApping, you know, so how can we use a technology like WhatsApp through an event app that's going to make seamless engagement during the conference and then after the conference much easier. I spend half my life trying to download and figure out how the event app's going to work from a delegate perspective and then take a business card, WhatsApp these people, get involved and get engaged with them on LinkedIn. So um, I think some event apps are going to be brilliant and I'm sure there's lots of uh, technology companies that will say theirs is the best, but it's how you use it what's its value proposition and how does that respond with your delegates that I think you need to be asking that question. Sounds like you've got an event app in you, Sam. Maybe I just have. I've I've always thought this whole amalgamation of the, you know, the sort of Slido technology, WhatsApp, Tinder, bringing that all together 
could be something pretty special. So, yeah, maybe with a bit of time. And if there's anybody listening who's a technology geek, maybe they could come and talk to me. This one I can't wait to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got through a lot. So thank you very much. See you next great. time. Fabulous. Thanks a lot, Ed. Have a great couple of weeks, everyone. You heard it here first, folks. The patented Sam Allen event app is coming to an app store near you. Now, up next, Ed is sitting down with Nick Dubois to discuss the events industry board. Nick is an ex-MP, having recently published his book, Confessions of a Recovering MP. Alongside that, he has 30 years of experience in the events industry. Hi, Nick. Delighted to be talking to you here in what is a beautiful room here at Central Hall Westminster. Yes, yeah, a great venue. I was just saying on the way in that um, it's great to be here. There have been other more important meetings, including the first uh, of the UN met here in uh, 1947, so we're in a great place, very historic, but we're here to talk about the future. Almost as important, talking about the Events Industry Board, of which you are the chairman. Indeed. For any listeners unfamiliar, can you start by telling us a bit about what the board does, when and why it was set up, and perhaps your role in it? Yes, sure. Look, essentially, um, this is a great industry. I've spent over 25 years in the events industry. You cut me, I bleed. Uh, events industry and then I detracted and I went into Parliament for five years between 2010 and 2015 and I was acutely conscious when I went in having spent a you know adult lifetime in this sector that government really knew nothing about our sector they would go to an event and they would see a spectacle be it um, the, uh, the great events of the Olympics or elsewhere or a motor show or whatever and the point was they didn't see an industry behind it and this industry it was important I felt not just because of what we do, how many people we employ, the size of our business and the potential, but this industry is effectively the salesman for Britain. What we do, we lay on international events. We bring business visitors to this country. We are out there leading uh, the presentation of some of the key industries that this government wants to promote. And yet, we've never had a voice at the policy table. We have never really even been recognized. Do you know? that they don't even count accurately um, what we call codes for the people working in our sector. Our value of our economy, the 40 billion that we produce as an industry, 42 billion that we produce as an industry, isn't even calculated in GDP. So my mission when I was an MP was to say, hey government, get behind this industry, let's make sure that we as an industry influence government so that when they make policies, they are policies that will assist us and not hinder us. And the, so, uh, about 2015, the board was set up. Yes, is that right? And do you think the do you think the government is since then? Do you think it's becoming more responsive? Oh well, there's no question. Um, what what is the the UK events industry board? Well, it was born out of a government policy. The first time ever that the UK events industry that is now supported by a government strategy to drive business visitors to the UK and promote our sector uh, as a leading export, particularly in terms of creative services. The, the Events Industry Board has brought together government and representatives from within our sector. Our job is to advise government not on only how to win major events for the UK and bring them right across the UK, but it is also here to ensure that we can become the most competitive uh, sector, most competitive destination of choice for other countries looking to host their events, but also that we remain competitive so that we can build on our international rep- reputation for creativity, projects and delivery. William, I actually saw, um, I don't think you were there, but some of the other uh, members of the 
but the EIB board were quite vocal at Evcom talking about what other senior leaders in the events industry can do to give a unified voice for the events industry, support um, support the work that you do. I think they they, they spoke a bit about Brexit, um, but I wonder if it, if it who comes... Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, who isn't at the moment? Enough, enough people are, but I wonder if, yeah, I, I wonder if as a kind of sector there are enough you know, strong senior leaders talking up, well, talking, um, yeah, talk, talking about the big issues that are relevant to that industry and that will unite it and, and, and help to make the government listen. Well, one of the greatest strengths about uh, our industry that we know as the events and exhibitions industry is that it is hugely diverse, bringing huge skills across a wide range of deliverables from outdoor events, music festivals, through to uh, major business conference and events up to the Olympics. It is a huge industry. In some senses in the past, that has been a weakness because we have, we're, we're very uh, diverse in the number of organizations representing us. Associations. Acts, and absolutely, who are in the main doing a fantastic job. But what the UK Events Industry Board has given us the opportunity to do over the last two years is to present and be a formal body that speaks to ministers and advises ministers on the steps that we can take, not only to win major events here in the UK that have previously not come here, but how to grow events in the UK with government support where necessary to internationalise more events, find existing events that are key to both the UK industry in the wider sense of the word, um, for example offshore engineering, key skills, but then support events that can, we can make international rather than just domestic, as well as advise and make sure policies are not introduced that would harm us, but in fact we can have introduction of policies that would help us. The UK Events Industry Board, people sit around from different trade associations, from um, independents who've worked in this sector and working in this sector, alongside senior government people and ministers. That's a powerful voice to have at the table. There's not many of those organisations in the UK, and this is our opportunity now to build on that. We finally got government's attention. We have this formal body to advise, but it is important that the industry responds now, steps up to the mark, and engages to make sure that we don't miss this opportunity to reflect their priorities and their needs, and that's what's happening at the moment. And you're setting up, I understand you're setting up a new, new working group so that you can engage, engage some of these leaders more, uh, more effectively, is that what? Yes, absolutely. We've we, we focused on a number of key areas. Um, the one that I've just left to come here and have this um, session with you is uh, the Talent Task Force, which is essentially looking at the skills requirement, not of just where we are at the moment, but what will our future needs be, particularly post-Brexit. Now, there are trade associations already looking at some aspects of this. Uh, we know that the hospitality sector of our industry is very concerned about any limits on immigration that might cause them problems in recruitment. But we also need to hear the voice of the creative agencies. We need to hear the voice of um, the outdoor sector. Uh, how do they feel about the level of talent available here? Are we training and skilling it correctly? How much of our needs will need to be in the short term? Um, if you like, from uh, overseas, what is the long-term future like? These are areas that working group, for example, will look at and make definitive policy recommendations. 
Uh, and the other areas that we're looking at is our infra infrastructure and capability, um, you know, our transport links, the number of venues we have, the type of venues we need now and for the future. Because there's no use going out and winning and bringing business to the UK if we've got nowhere to put them. Uh, we have to look at how we are marketing ourselves and can we do better, can we learn from um, other experience. And we have an event support fund and package which needs uh, refining and looking at. That's been put in place over the last two years, which seeks out and supports events to internationalise them and help win them. And of course provide that crucial important soft power where government shows people who are thinking of coming to the UK as a destination of choice quite how important they are to us. So, so where does someone start? Someone is a, perhaps a, a, a business leader in the events industry or has a particular skill set or something to say that will support this effort. Where do they start? How do they get involved with the events industry board? Or, or, or yeah, where else do they, where, where do they begin well, that? First, first of all, uh, what I think is, is that where people feel that they can help in these skill sets areas, even our working groups, they will be looking for uh, sort of contributions from the sort of people that you're outlining. So the way to do that is for them to get in touch with the UK Events Industry Board. We are on uh, our minutes and our publications are on the Department of Culture and Media Sports um, website uh, under the EIB Board Minutes. You can find contacts there. Better still, if they want to drop me a line, I'll make sure that uh, if we can use their help and they're willing to offer it, that we direct it in, in the right place. And I'm sure you'll put up my necessary details as part of this interview, should anyone want to contact me. Of course we will. Make it as easy, easy as possible. Interested in your views just on the events industry, Joan. I mean, personally, I've been in the events industry for about five years. I myself have witnessed huge changes, kind of transformational technology technological changes and, and various other things. It seems to me to be a very different place now than it was five years ago. I mean, would you agree with that? And, and what, what, what are the big changes or, or opportunities do you see for the UK events industry well, in the coming years? I, 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 yes, you're absolutely right. We all know technology is, is, is a huge change. What I would say, though, is that we have to be careful that we don't get blinded by the technology and never lose sight are that we are communicating and what is it that we're actually communicating. Of course, we should be abreast of this technology and use that technology to drive the engagement, uh, particularly in the business visits and events sector, which is where our focus is primarily, uh, that we are driving better engagement for the international visitors who are coming to our shows and events and the events that we do abroad. I think we also, uh, need to recognise uh, that uh, we will be calling on different skills in the future. Uh, you know, let's face it, I'm not sure about this, but about 10 years ago, you would never have probably heard of coders uh, in the financial technologies area. Now there's a shortage of coders. So we have to try and keep ahead it, yeah. of the game. You obviously do know about <laughs> it. So uh, by doing that, that's really important. And that's the sort of thing that the working groups will be looking at. We also have to look, uh, particularly in the business visitor section, at the type of space uh, that we're offering. Is it always going to be the conventional huge halls uh, with thousands of, of square meters at display? Or, as someone suggested to me from one of the leading edge 
um, I suppose I'm going to say this caveat, IT companies, which shows my age, uh, but actually they were talking about how they're looking for different types of venues, a greater, greater interaction through the use of the smaller, um, smaller spaces, uh, perhaps with the uh, ability to have a rarer use of larger spaces. So what are we designing? If we're going to look at new venues, what are we designing? We need to be thinking about those challenges as well. And also I think it's important um, that in the UK we don't become London-centric. I think it's too easy to come London-centric. London is a great place, superb destination to be at, easy to get to, major hub. Um, but also, of course, we need to know that um, some people may come to London, find it's not suitable for them when they're looking to choose. We've got to be able to direct them to the other excellent destinations in the UK. Well, it's fantastic to hear your optimism. You clearly have a plan, and it seems as though the, we as events industry generally should be, should be positive too. I hope so. I think there's everything to be positive about. You know, do not worry too much about the doom and gloom that you read in the papers every day. Just test the temperature of your own industry, our own industry, an industry that I grew up in. Um, and uh, keep on talking to customers because they'll always be the ones who will be telling you what you need to know, what is it they want. Nick, thank you very much. Thank you. As Nick mentioned, if you'd like to get in contact with him, you can use his email, nickdubois at gmail.com. And you can see everything the Events Industry Board are doing on the DCMS website, and a link is in the show notes below. Now it's over to our favourite venue experts, it's Jake and Nathan with Venue Talk. Hi Jake, uh, welcome to another episode of Venue Talk. Hi Nathan, how are you doing? I'm good, it's uh... lovely to be in a uh, <laughs> nice studio. Yeah, so... Um... Makes a change, we're normally sort of tucked away in some meeting room. Yeah, usually in a, in a, in a disused, partially built meeting room. <laughs> Uh, As you would expect from yeah. a uh, trendy startup like ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely, but, but this week we're um, yeah. very much uh, we've 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 uh, we, we've got ourselves into a lovely studio in, in South London. So hopefully you'll be able to tell the difference on the audio. Absolutely, well, it sounds very, amazing, very nice to be here. Anyway, um, so Jake, um, another another feature of Venue, Venue Talk, Talk, where we talk about our favourite new openings, yeah. upcomings, hottest new openings, upcoming venues. Um, so. Uh, I mean, if you if you don't mind, I I I, I wouldn't mind kicking us off this time. Crack on, mate! Amazing stuff. So, um, in preparation for this show, what I did was I uh, used our messaging service uh, with our with the rest of our sales team, rest of the uh, venue experts at Hirespace, and asked them for a few venue openings that they're particularly excited about. Yeah. Um, Got some, got some really good suggestions, some good stuff, and then uh, one of the one of the girls on the sales team, I, I won't name her. Um, she she doesn't came want to back. Be named. <laughs> doesn't doesn't want to be named. Well, I won't give her the satisfaction, quite frankly, Jake. And you'll you'll, you'll know why when I tell the rest own, of the story. Um, she came back with a with a venue called Monkey Island, oh. um, and I thought, sounds amazing. Wow, I thought that is. We we've had some great venues on Venue Talk before. Yeah. This is an island of monkeys. Of monkeys, Amazing. where you can have events. Oh my god! Assuming some sort of butler service of gibbons. Oh wow! I mean, I would, I would just assume yeah. they're, you know, swinging about, handing you a martini, yeah, swinging off. Monkey news. Another <laughs> <laughs> ones coming with some canapes, all good stuff. Um, that's what I assumed. I looked at it. It's, it's just a stately home called monkey. I mean, it looks nice. Yeah. It's, it's like a stately home. Mm. Um. Looks great. However, I yeah. 
quite frankly, I'm kind of furious that they they choose a name I, like I, that. I'm not. What what were you actually expecting? I you, I mean, I was legitimately expecting monkey butlers about. on an island. Yeah, it's very hanging very about with monkeys. You, mate. Um, but why would why would you call a, a stately home monkey? Yeah, why would you call it? I mean, it's probably, you know, it's apologies probably, probably to to anybody from a venue listening. I mean, it does look fantastic. Let's face but it. just you know, change your name maybe. It doesn't. Yeah. Does it gives me um. So anyway, um, got some other venues. They're 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 really nice. I thought I'd have like a monkey. Any monkeys? No, no, not that I know of. Anyway, um, however, uh, venue I will start us off with. Um, monkey free, nice hotel in the city. Very nice. Is opening. That what it's, called? <laughs> it's called Vintry and Mercer. Ah uh, yes. Yep. It's not called the Monkey Free Hotel in the City, <laughs> although that might be their description. I'm not totally <laughs> sure. Um, it's called Vintry and Mercer. O- opening this summer. I'm not not sure of a precise date or um, if it's actually open yet. Um, their website seems really done, so I think they're they're pretty much good and raring to go. Um, so yeah, it's a very word I'd use to describe. I suppose would be chic, um, and I use that word to describe because it's the word they use to describe it in their marketing yeah. and uh, and press releases. But <laughs> it, <laughs> nevertheless, it, it fits very well. Um, Ninety-two bedrooms, um, which is uh, it's quite a lot. Fair amount for that yeah. area. Yeah. Quite a lot, quite a lot of bedrooms in the city. Um, so obviously near lots of other venues in the city, livery halls and, and stuff like that, which mm. are obviously obviously great for events and, and don't tend to have uh, yeah. bedrooms on on site. So uh, more bedrooms in the city is, is always good. I know I've organised several events in the past where um, they've been in the city and they need they need overnights uh, for you know the. For the people who have maybe drunk a little bit too too much, mm. uh, don't want to yeah. go don't want to go home and face their family quite yet. <laughs> um, so any any large hotel opening in the city with, with that amount of bedrooms is always fantastic. And um, they, from what I've seen, they all look like they've been basically individually designed, which is always a really cool feature for for high end hotels where every bedroom's really different and it's not kind of like the the prefab stuff you get. And I mean, it's 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 very it's as far from a travel lodge as far as it is from an island full of monkeys. Um, <laughs> somewhere in between. Some, yeah, it's somewhere in, in between. It's, it's literally nothing like either of them, which is, which is great. It's what I always That's look for in a hotel. Yeah. Um, it's, got, it's got free event spaces as well. Um, they're, they're kind of small event spaces. It's, it's definitely not the sort of venue which is going to have big, big gala dinners or anything like that, but it's mm. got three really beautiful event spaces. It's got uh, free for about um, 10 to 30 each uh, in each one. So more, more kind of based on small networking sessions, private, yeah. private dining, that sort of thing, boozing and smoozing. Um, also got an absolutely lovely roof terrace and restaurant, um, which I believe connected. So it's a, 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 a restaurant and then roof terrace connected to it for some alfresco dining mm. if, the, uh, if the, weather, the weather's nice for it. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's the venue I'm gonna start off with. The the note I had was uh use the word chic. Um well done. used it a couple of times. Mission mission completed. Yep, mission completed, tick that box. Um but yeah, do do check out Vintry and Mercer. Um if you if you're looking for hotel rooms or, or small small events, networking events, private dining in the city. Uh, it does look absolutely lovely. Fantastic. Um brilliant. Well, before I uh roll into my venue, Nate, I just wanted to extend my congratulations. Okay. Um Last weekend, Nathan completed the uh, half marathon. Uh, uh, you, he wasn't going to bring it up, but then ne- I, I, I it. wrote it in his notes. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you've not, you've basically not even mentioned it the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah, I've mentioned it a few times. You, I mean, maybe once Big or feet twice. For me. Or, yeah. About nine months ago, I couldn't, couldn't run. 
a kilometer. Mate, you've done you've done really well. Yeah, really really well. Um, and yeah, congratulations. Dinner in really good time. Um, really hot day. I did it in a time. You did it in a time. <laughs> you, you did it. That's the main thing. Yeah, I did it. But yeah, congratulations. Thank um, you. I knew you weren't. You know, it's not something that you bring up yourself. So. Yeah, you can stop. You can stop kicking me because I'm also going to bring up the fact <laughs> that you're um, just kicking me under the table to to bring up I'm your not. cycling that you're you're doing to raise money for for Alzheimer's. Oh yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's um, on July 29th. I've got a hundred miles to go. Yeah, in one in, in one yeah, one in, cycle, in, no breaks. In one go, yeah. So pretty nervous. But and uh, but you're my you're my inspiration. I'm sure we we'll able to do it. Uh, I've got a lot of people say that to me, so it's kind of meaningless <laughs> at this point. Oh well. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so moving on to my venue. So I wanted to talk about uh, Carousel Seven Dials, um, which has just about opened. They've um, just started taking bookings in. Yeah, they're they're basically open now. Um, for those of you who already know Carousel and Carousel Next Door. Um, uh, so that is a venue in Marlebone, um, very, very sort of, uh, cool sort of open, uh, dry hire. Um, you can, um, go in and, uh, really do the place up really nicely. Lots of brands use it. It's lovely sort of concrete, uh, yeah, the concrete walls, concrete floors. Um, in terms of the restaurant on the middle floor, they get people in every two weeks. So they get like a residency chef in every two weeks. It's a really, really interesting concept. Uh, I think there's a rumour going around, which I may have started or I might have heard, which is the reason it's called Carousel is because there's always chefs coming in through the door. I'm, oh, I might have rumor. made that up. Okay, I've, right, yeah. I've definitely told people that rumour. Um, I, d- I didn't actually know that, but it does make a... I mean, it make makes a sense. It's not, it's not, it's not to, we'll, we'll point out, but it's not because they've got high yeah, staff it's turnover. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's not because they're mystery no staff. It's planned. Um, but yeah, ca- Carousel and Carousel Next Door are based in Marlebone, sort of permanent venues. Um, started from um, Shuttlecock Inc., which uh, was a sort of pop-up, uh, like immersive pop-up experience um, based on the sort of Pan Am... Uh, it was a really, really cool thing. It was a thing was called My High. Um, they uh, used um, uh, inspiration for the, for the, the the type of sort of um, culinary experience for that particular one would be a different country each time. Um, so really, really interesting. So those guys um, behind behind that have opened Carousel in Seven Dials. Um, really, really cool. Uh, looks look yeah, looks great. Um, fantastic sort of shop front um, uh, yeah shop front display on the on the on the first floor. Um, yeah, so the ground floor is two uh, two large uh, windows at the front, shop shop from vibes, um, concrete features, just looks great. So all the brands and pop-ups and sort of retail people are going to absolutely love it. Obviously, amazing footfall as well in Seven Dials, so mm. it's just off Shaftesbury Avenue. Um, you, the, you know, the thing with these types of uh, venues is you, you often get them out in sort of East London kind of area or just out the way. Yeah, very, uh, really, very really hard, hard to, to find central. one that's like super central. Because mm. um, a, a lot of the time, if I, if I get an... In- inquiry or I hear of an inquiry from somebody else on the team but like guys can you recommend a yeah. blank canvas um blank canvas uh, warehouse style space yeah. in yeah. in in west london or in the city my response is no because they're not there <laughs> they're, yeah. in, they're in east yeah, london yeah. so yeah so, so this is just off shaftesbury avenue um footfall's gonna be great what they're aiming to get is a sort of longer ter- longer term sort of retail booking so bigger brands going in um, I mean, just yeah, we'll, we'll send we'll send something out on it soon, I'm sure. But have a little look at the venue. Um, uh, Magnum actually did a pop up there last year because I remember walking past it. Mm. I've spoken with Jess at the venue about this one before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it just looks great, really, really polished, like really well done. Um, and I think brands are going to love it. 
they are doing an introductory rate at the moment, which is 3,850 um, per day. Um, and so that's sort of 12 hour access, all your standard stuff. Um, and that's until the end of July. They've got a booking, a, a great booking in with uh, I think Primark, who are doing a big launch there, autumn winter launch. Hmm. So yeah, like brands are already going into it. Get in there when you can. It's yeah, I mean, it's going to be going to be a yeah, really really great venue. Yeah, I'm, so I'm sure. My old employers, not Carousel. Who, Carousel? Pri- no Primark. <laughs> <laughs> Primark in Liverpool when oh. I was uh, 16 to 18. Oh, congrats. Shop shop floor. Thank you. First ever first ever job. Well done. Yeah. It was, uh, wasn't great anyway um <laughs> uh thank you for taking us through that Jay. that sounds like an amazing venue great opening and uh, as i said always always fantastic to have some blank canvas space in, in west london because it's where a lot of the footfall is but it's always always tricky to find those, yeah. those venues that can do that sort of thing in that area which is great um Okay, moving on. Um, the next venue I've got uh, something totally different from from the last two we we've talked about, um, and kind of goes along. I, I would say the theme of venues we've covered in the past, where where they're taking over spaces completely, uh, gutting them, renovating them, bringing them into I suppose the, the modern uh, the modern times, the, the modern events um world and, and kind of just 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 bringing the, these places with a lot of history into the 21st century mm-hmm. um that's the one we're in still isn't it yeah, yeah i think cool. so yeah. i got yeah sorry um <laughs> uh bringing them up bringing them into the, into modern day anyway and um that venue is called the prince and it's in earl's court uh essentially what it is is that the prince is in prince like prince harry or the prince the the prince like prince harry okay yeah, the cool. prince prince um they've taken over a few buildings and uh and a pub uh the pub i think was called the old prince of wales mm. um and that's prince with a ce of wales um what they have done is they've, they've completely completely kind of gutted these these buildings these old uh these old buildings which weren't really up to too much uh renovated them and uh the, the prince prince of wales pub actually had a really amazing garden um or more i suppose the opportunity for an amazing garden which wasn't quite wasn't quite uh living up to it and they've completely renovated the buildings they've turned it into uh i think three three bars and and four restaurants um all kind of interconnected uh not not the sort of place where you go and 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 book a table unless i suppose you've got you've got a big group but more of this the the style of um of a lot of other venues where it's kind of more like you turn up on the day almost like a modern yeah. trendy food court where you you turn up to these uh these stores and they've got seats out outside them but people all your friends can order from different restaurants get different cuisines which is which is always really amazing and then still eat on the same table um they've connected all the all these restaurants with with some decking um which which looks great um put put obviously loads of uh loads of seating in there tables and stuff like that so you can but the, these four completely separate buildings really feel like one complete venue with with the bars and stuff attached it's taken a, a few different venues which weren't really uh which weren't really doing much and, and, and turned them into one kind of giant venue with a nice outdoor area and um, they've built uh they oh, they've, they've i suppose they've, they've they've done up the garden uh, for lack of a better term and uh, made it made it look really beautiful um lots of alfresco seating but also a um a retractable roof, uh, see-through roof, so you can, you can soak up the rays without um, soaking up the soaking up the the rain if it if it mm. is of course raining. Um, so it's a it's a great wet, wet weather option, but for those few days a year where it is nice and sunny, um, 
back, back forward straight back and obviously they can make yeah, the most cool. of uh, having that out, outside space. That's ideal. Don't really see that too often, do you? So. Yeah, and, um, you know, they've got... Uh, as well as, as the, the bars and the restaurants, they've also got uh, live music happening there. So uh, I'm sure it'll be an amazing atmosphere there in the, in the, in the summer and then also uh, over, over the autumn and winter months with the, with the indoor space and, and with the retractable roof. It's, it's, it's all going to be great venue space as well. Brilliant. Thanks, David. Um, well, there we are. That's our three venues for this week. Um, yeah, if there are any event bookers out there who want to find out more about any of the venues, um, do get in touch. Uh, contact at hirespace.com. Um, oh, I actually had a um, a special request for venues actually okay. for any any venues showing the World Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, Is this like, for your own? Ed's, I'll, I'll I'll get to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't, it doesn't really really matter too much if you're you're a private events venue or or just a pub. Any anywhere which is you know can book can book me a table maybe. <laughs> Give me, me a few, bit of few friends, treatment, some beers. I'll make yeah. you on the podcast. Yeah. Um, anyone who enjoys the podcast out there, who <laughs> you know, chicken wings would be great. Yeah. Do like chicken wings. Um, cold beer. It, it must be draft beer. That's okay. my only stipulation. All right. Um, and also, but it's completely free. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, on a serious note, any any venues which are which are you know got any any special? We we don't we we're not just focusing on new venues. Any any venues which are doing anything new and special? So any any big plans for the World Cup? Any any big plans for um, also the, the World Cup? It's really all I can <laughs> kind of think of at the moment. It's kind of setting my brain. I've got World Cup fever. Um, or just general summer pop-ups, I suppose, making the most of outdoor space, which you can't really use for a winter month. Yeah. Do, do get in touch and, and let us know about it um, so that I don't have to resort to my colleagues uh, feeding me lies about islands <laughs> covered in monkeys. So bitter about that, aren't you? Not going to get over it anytime soon. Um, but thank you, Jake. Cheers, Nathan. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, we will speak to you in a couple of weeks on the next show. Hopefully from this lovely studio again. Excellent stuff, yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to the Event Lab podcast. And as ever, you can find links to everything we've mentioned in the show below. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics brought up in the News Digest. And you can join in the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Event Lab. For more on Event Lab and to stay up to date with all that's going on, including details of the next event in our Event Lab series, you can go to eventlab.online. If you have any questions or you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at eventlab at and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram for a behind-the-scenes view as well as all the latest updates by following the handle eventlab underscore HQ. Thanks for listening.